This is Capello Talks, the podcast. Listen to our expert panel talking all things coaching with the glitterati of the soccer world. In this episode, Abby Sadler, head of women's coaching at Capello and Tanya Oxtobi, assistant coach at Chelsea Women FC, talk about the female game and can come up with some golden nuggets of coaching. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Abby Sadler, Head of Women's Football for Capello, and today I'm joined by Tanya Oxtoby, Women's First Team Coach, Assistant Coach at Chelsea Women. Um, so welcome, Tanya. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and today we're just going to discuss around the development of the female game, how it's grown, and what impact that has on, on coaching. So before we kind of delve into the nitty-gritty, Tanya, do you want to just give us an overview of your playing and coaching background and experiences yeah how long have we got got (laughs) (laughs) um no look I I've uh, been lucky enough to sort of travel across the the world really with football so I'm I'm originally from Perth Australia and um I, I played there with Perth Glory for a number of years and captained that side I was uh fortunate enough to come across and play in the WSL with with Doncaster Bells and all the time I sort of played, I, I was coaching, um, doing probably youth teams and things like that, um, which was really, really helpful for me as a, as a player, selfishly, but um, and transitioned across into to coaching um, Nottingham Forest um, and then across to Notts County, Birmingham um, City Women, and then uh, ended up at, at Bristol, um, which was, you know, sort of my, my previous role. And I've had a great time and uh, learned a lot. Um, you know, I think for me, I've been really fortunate and uh, I probably wouldn't have had the career I, I would have had if I'd been trying to do that now. So I'll definitely take it and, uh, and run with it. Great. Like you said, how long have we got? We could delve into all of that um, for, for a long time there. But you mentioned then that you've been you coached a lot of the time through your playing career. Do you feel that that helped you coaching alongside playing? I think it did. I, I fell into it. I, it wasn't something that I um, sought out or thought was, you know, something I really was passionate about at the time. Um, it was more a role model type thing for me when I was, um, I started when I was captain of Perth Glory and there was a, I think it was under 15s, um, a state team. So I guess what you guys would call like a county representative team and they needed a coach and I didn't really know much about coaching to be honest I only knew what I knew about football from playing but at that level it was enough it was enough to sort of um, pass on my knowledge to the younger players and um, for me coaching is all about people anyway so you know it was it was about building rapport with the players and I I just sort of stumbled into it from there really it grew um, it was something I really enjoyed doing I thought it really helped me as a player to sort of understand a little bit more tactically um, you know about the game but also the preparation that goes into sessions and I think as a player when you are turning up you train and you go home you don't realize the effort that goes in behind the scenes so um, I think that was really powerful for me to sort of start to appreciate things from the other side Um, you know, and I think the, the other part of that is you, you're automatically starting to think about, even though you're probably at the middle of your career, you're starting to think about what you're going to do when you finish. Um, and it gives you that involvement in the game, which um, I've been really, really lucky to stay involved. And, um, you know, it's my passion. It's the thing that I love to do. And I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't started while I was play, playing, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. 
So, yeah, quite fortunate that I fell into it and now it seems to be my career. <laughs> yeah, and I guess now young females and males, I suppose, but certainly females with the two of us being females working in the game can now really see that pathway to coach, um, which I'm not sure. Did you see that? Did you see as a player that you could see an exit route? I know you were playing at the top of the game for club and country, but... Certainly not, um, <clears throat> excuse me, certainly not at the top level. I, I didn't. I, I always sort of, like I said, I stumbled into coaching. I did a lot of junior teams. And for me, that was, there was female coaches throughout the junior setup, but never at the top level. Um, and it's something for me that, you know, I know during my time at Bristol, I was really passionate about making sure that if there was female coaches that wanted to be involved, we have to open the door and let them be involved because, you know, they, they need the opportunity to um, find their feet. They need the opportunity to see what it's like to be in that environment because there's no reason why female coaches shouldn't be coaching at the top level. Um, and it's probably something that, like I said, I didn't really have when I was coming through the pathway. I can't think of any female, actually, there's probably one. It was Mo Marley, I think, at Everton at the time. But other than that, it was all male coaches um, in the WSL you know in my recollection which I've got baby brain so we'll see how that goes but I can't remember a number a large number of female coaches at that level and and you look now um and that's changed and that's that's a great thing for the game I think I agree agree and I can um second that I know that you were an advocate of female coaches and giving me the opportunity to come in and and watch you work at Bristol was great too so um obviously you've made that transition then from player to coach and you've been coaching in the game for a while now at the top end, especially. What is what do you feel has changed in the game, in the female game, since you've came in um, or through your coaching years? Yeah, I think there's there's probably a number of things. I think um, the detail that coaches go into now um, at you know WSL and championship level is is exceptional and it's certainly nothing, you know, I didn't have that when I was playing in terms of the, the, for example, the video analysis and the stuff that goes in, but, you know, into the, um, the nitty gritty, if you like, of opposition analysis and, um, you know, all the statistical stuff that was never available when I, when I played, it was, you know, someone sitting there with a clipboard kind of writing stuff down. So, you know, the level of detail that coaches now have access to is, um, has gone through the roof. But for me, one of the things is how do you interpret that and how do you bring that to life and, and make that relevant, um, I guess, to your environment and what you need. Um, so that's probably one of the main changes. I don't, you know, the amount of staff and the amount of people that work within um, clubs is, is also, you know, we talk about making sure that players have a professional environment. That's not just about what they get paid and, and um, you know, kind of the money in their back pocket. That's about the, you know, the nitty gritty of, uh, do they have medical support? Um, do they have the opportunity to develop individually and also in a team environment? And the staff now that are around players within clubs is, is huge. And that's fantastic because hopefully with that comes different personalities as well. And, and the support that players need, you know, it sort of caters for everybody because, um, I know in my day, you know, we probably had a, a manager and if we were lucky an assistant manager, and if, you know, you didn't kind of click with one of those two, you're in a little bit of trouble because there was nobody else really to go to. But players these days, they've got so much, so many staff members around them that hopefully they've got that support that they need both on and off the pitch. Mm. And I guess when you were speaking then, you said around, um, like it sounded like a lot around care 
to player care and making sure players are okay and seeing players as people is a lot I got out of that. And I think it doesn't really matter what age group you work with or what level you work with. If you're working with female players, and I know you've got a background in psychology and within sport as well, that's really important, right? When working with female players, would you say? It's the uh, it's the foundation, I would say, of working with female players because play, female players' motivations are generally a little bit different to, to male players, in my opinion, and, and through my experience. You know, they... They start playing because they like they love the game and they um, their friends play and and that is slowly starting to change because of the profile of the game now and they do see it as a profession but you know when they come into the game female players they they want to do it to enjoy it and um, part of that is making sure that the environment that they're in as you mentioned is that they're cared for and you've got to build that rapport rapport with them there females are complex um you know and there's lots going on um and for me in particular i like to push dual career with with players as well so if we're encouraging players to want to do some study um or external kind of curricular stuff um you know with their football we need to understand what that looks like and we need to make sure that we've got a rapport with them to be able to support them through that um you're going to get so much more out of female players if you you know take the time to really get to know them and um, help support them in the areas and it might not be you that can support them as I mentioned before you know it might be somebody else actually that they get along really well with that you can kind of signpost them to so caring for, for female players and building that relationship with them is really really important because that's how you get the best out of them and, and help them reach their potential in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No I agree and it's something I've noticed lots when I've been either coaching or working with coaches that the coaches who know their players as individuals know what makes them tick know what switches them off, get, provides feedback properly, um, explains the why to, to situations. And I'm finding that balance because we can't always hand feed players. They've got to deal with problems and setbacks as well. But the coaches who I see doing that the best get the best performance long term. And I know we were speaking previous um, around you might be able to deal with players in a way, but it might only have a short term effect. When actually, if, like you said, you can get the foundations right, you're able to you're able to work with players long-term and have more, I guess, success over a longer-term period. Yeah, 100%. I think if you've got a player's trust, you can then start to challenge them a little bit um, because they feel safe. I think if you haven't got the player's trust and you try and challenge them or take them outside their comfort zone, that's where it can go a little bit wrong because you're not, you're not challenging them in a safe way. You're actually throwing them in the deep end and, you know, that that's where you can sort of start to lose players. So you've got to have that relationship. You've got to build that trust. They've got to know that actually you've got their best interests at heart and then you can start to sort of stretch the boundaries a little bit and see, see where it goes. And sometimes you get that right and sometimes you get it wrong. But if you've got the trust there, you can sort of start to adjust and adapt it as, as you need to. Mm-hmm. No, great. And I, um, speaking earlier, you mentioned around how, the teams and the the stuff behind the scenes of getting bigger and bigger, the support staff, if you like. And the bit you touched upon then is the trust and the care. I guess that still mattered all the time you were playing. Like that's maybe something which has stayed the same and consistent, but now the game's growing and it has grown and results have become a big thing. And you've seen managers lose jobs and you've seen players go from one team to another team. You don't have lots of time to work with, with players, I guess it's one thing what's remained the same, but actually how you might do that in short space of time has potentially changed the way the game's grown. 
Yeah, it has. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I learned a lot from when I was playing, um, I learned a lot from coaches that I didn't want to be. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And and by that I I mean the the lack of care or the lack of sort of um, empathy or the the lack of trust um, and for me that's something that the guys that have had longevity in the women's game they've got that they've nailed it and it doesn't matter whether they have two members of staff or twenty members of staff they've really understood what um, makes female players tick and how they're going to get the best out of them and and like I said I I had some fantastic coaches when I was playing, but I had some, some poor ones as well. And I think as you go through your career, whether it's playing or coaching, you're going to continually grab and learn and um, from other people, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. But sort of the flip of that is as teams grow, you're going to have more and more personalities. You're going to have more, but that level of care and that level of understanding for players has to remain the same. That's really, really important. And I think that's almost harder with bigger teams of staff because, you know, players sometimes can fall through the cracks if, if there's not real clear roles and responsibilities. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because people automatically assume, well, actually the more staff you have, the better care players have it. It's not about that. It's about making sure that, you know, everyone's clear with their roles and responsibilities and that, you know, everybody on that staff team is buying into the fact that you need to, to really understand the, the female player and, and get the best out of them. Yeah, no, com- completely agree. And earlier on, you touched upon like detail of the game and the the use of like analysts and and, and etc. But I guess with the game growing so rapidly, like what else would you say is is important to coaching and for coaches to um, be more aware of or upskill themselves in? to kind of for them to keep up with the game as well. Um, level of detail, I guess, being one of them, because you've already mentioned it, but anything else you'd add to that? I, I think there's probably two things that I'd say. One is be a student of the game. And by, I, I hear that a lot, but what I mean by that is, you know, I, I listened to a coach, I won't say who it was um, because I don't really have their permission to share it, but I did listen to a coach say once, you know, I see myself as a, um, a manager who who only manages League One and League Two, and <clears throat> I need to make sure that I am the best student of the game in those leagues. So, if you are thinking to yourself, "I want to be um, a national league coach, or I want to be a championship or a WSL coach," be a real student of the game in that area. So, watch as much football as you can, but watch it with a critical eye. Really understand what's going on. Um, that will really help, I think, that kind of understanding of, of what's going on in terms of formations, in terms of, um, you know, player strengths and weaknesses, all of that sort of stuff. I think that's that's certainly something. But the second part of that is around planning. Um, and it, we don't just turn up on a, you know, Tuesday and step onto the pitch and think it's great and off we go, you know, off we go. It's there's, there's so much planning that goes into that and it links back to being a student of the game. It links back to all the stuff about the analysis and all of all of those bits and pieces that planning to the nth detail is, is what it takes now. And if you miss something, you get found out and you get found out very, very quickly. And, um, you know, I think during my time at Bristol, that was probably something that was really difficult because we didn't have a lot of staff um, and everyone was really working hard as hard as they could, but things slip through the cracks and you get found out. So, you know, in my experience, I've had positive ones and, and maybe not so positive ones, but 
planning and planning for every possible scenario that you've got time for um, is certainly something I'd recommend. And being a student of the game, and I think they go hand in hand because sometimes mm -hmm. when you're a student and you miss bits, you can sort of go back. Oh, I remember I saw that. So, yeah, that would be my two two other tips. I would imagine, you know, in terms of if if you're thinking about getting in, involved and and what what does it take? They're probably the two things, two really good starting points, and build up that bank. You know, build up a a really good bank of knowledge um, in terms of the the games, but also build up a bank of what systems do I want to play? What do they look like? What are the roles and responsibilities within those systems? So you've got a bit of an understanding and a foundation to work from. And mm -hmm. then you can start to layer on top of that. Yeah, it's so funny you say about planning. I know that I've watched coaches through coaching badges or being in and around Bristol, around yourself and watching coaches deliver and thinking, God, they make it look so easy. They're able to get in, know what they're going to say. They say it quickly, they get back out again. Um, and they're really clear on what they're going after. And it wasn't until you delve a little bit deeper and you start to ask questions and you start to look at what they've gone through ahead of, like the, I guess the process they've gone through before they get on the pitch. And you think, okay, that's why they're so clear. At the moment, I just scribble something on a piece of paper, go out and deliver. And then you're wondering why, why can't I see this? And why is it not that? So I think, like you said, the, the planning and the work, what goes into it, like you said earlier on, the players only see what turns up. And if another coach comes to your session, they only see what you necessarily do on the pitch. But the the hours you spend looking for footage, the hours you spend talking with other coaches, the detail you go into to what does this individual, can this individual do? If I play with these players, what can they do compared if I tweak and change with these players? And I really like what you said around being a student of the game. So if there's some people watching this now, or listening into this podcast and they're saying, okay, I don't want to be a WSL coach, but I want to be a really good youth team coach. I'd just be really good at You might need to know what they they need to go on to next. So if they're under their reserve or a development team linked to a first team, you might need to know what it, the next step for them looks like to prepare, prepare them for that. But actually, the qualities you possess as a coach, just like you said, be really good at being a coach who develops players. Um, rather than the coaches chasing three points at, at the weekend, potentially. So, yeah, and even for grassroots coaches, if you want to work with grassroots and it's all about fun, be really good at forming relationships, connecting, putting on fun games, like making it that they want to come back week in and week out, week, week in and week out, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think that comes back to knowing yourself and those experiences, doesn't it? And that's... It takes time. I think, you know, people will pigeonhole you as a coach, but make sure you as a coach know exactly what it is that you enjoy doing, because if you enjoy it, you know, that's when you're passionate about it. And that kind of being a student and, and like really, you know, delving into everything that you need is, is effortless really, because it's what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And your bit around um, being a student of the game and watching the game. I think as coaches, sometimes, we watch the game, we try to look for everything. And like you said, be really clear on what is it you want to what is it you want to know? What is it you want to get out of? I know when I watch a game now, might just be looking at the systems each team play and what team is this set up and what team are that set up and and where are maybe the the gaps which team A can exploit team B. That might just be something I try to watch for as an example. But like you said, I guess don't watch everything because you see nothing. I guess is kind of the saying, isn't it? 
yeah watch it through your lens is what i'd recommend and i know when i'm watching um you know when i'm watching a game i'm thinking about our playing principles i'm thinking about you know uh, you know how does that relate to what that team is doing because essentially it's about us right it's about you know you you are being a student of the game but you are you are doing that for, for your team to be successful whatever that success looks like so um you know when i'm looking at it through my lens i'm looking at it from the club that I'm working with lens and their principles and, and how are we going to exploit that particular opposition based on what they're doing and what areas are they going to possibly hurt us, you know, with our principles and the way we do things, how is that going to cause us problems? And if you look at it through that lens, then you don't get lost in everything else that's going on because it's all relevant to you. So mm -hmm. And that's, that takes a little bit of time. It's a little bit of an art to do, but the more clarity you have around what your lens is, as you mentioned before about, is it player development or is it, you know, whatever it is, what is your lens? Look through that. And actually that will help kind of really nail the bits that you need to when you're um, being a student of the game. So obviously with the female game growing now and the you watch us games now, a WSL championship and even the tiers below that, the tempo of the sessions, the technical and tactical ability of players. When you come to a match day, coaches are a bit more acute and start changing the way in which they want their team to play during the game. Um, how does this impact or what does your sessions look like to make sure you can give the players replicate from a training session to a match day? Yeah, I think um, for me, the first part around that is the physical side of um, the game. I think it's grown so much. Um, the influence of sort of the, the sports science, if you like, um, has been immense and players now are, are athletes and we need to make sure that we are, I guess, um, you know, the, the sports science uh, guys are there to guide us in terms of the data that they that they um, present and the, the metrics that we're looking to hit. So, that's one factor to consider when you're thinking about your session planning. Um, for me, I'm, I'm really, really visual. So when I'm, when I'm looking to plan a session, I'm thinking about what pitches I want to get out. Um, how does that kind of in and out of possession um, framework look? And part of that is around the roles and responsibilities. So, you know, I need the opposition to be playing a certain way so that I can get those pitches out. Um, and part of that is asking your staff, whether that's your assistant coach, your assistant manager, to make sure that, you know, your 7 and 11 are pressing in a certain way to replicate the way the opposition press and really delegating and being clear on those roles and responsibilities. So as soon as we step out on the pitch, um, you know, it's go. We, we don't need to, we're not standing there debating who's doing what. It's right, I am responsible for the, the team that is going to play like Arsenal this week and I need to make sure that these are these things are happening and, set pieces are, are this and they're coming in in this part and all of those things need to be, you know, clear roles and responsibilities need to be factored for um, and that comes into your planning and like I said, I'm visual. So I'm thinking about the progressions and how I need to make sure that I'm getting all the pitches I need. Um, and as coaches, I think we get really set in, okay, I'm next, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go here. What happens if that doesn't happen? You know, it's about the regressions as well and how do we, right, I've probably aimed that way too high. I need to bring that back. I need to really simplify it and then I can build it back up again. So planning for all those factors is really important. And also in the back of your mind, thinking about things like, I know this is ridiculous, but 
you know, how many times we've stepped out onto the pitch, we've got this perfect session, we know exactly what we're going to be doing. And all of a sudden, it's blowing a gale, it's hailing, you know, and, and, <laughs> and now I've got players stood there. And actually, I can't do a phase of play where it's stop start, because they're going to end up like icicles. So how do I adapt? How do I think about right, how am I going to get those pitches now um, in a way that's not going to cause damage to the players that I'm still getting what I, you know, so mm -hmm. it's all about planning. It's all about thinking about all of those things. And I know it's so difficult when you're not a full-time coach. I, I get that, but do what you can as, as much as you can. Um, and I think as, as, as time goes on, you start to build a little bit of a bank of that anyway, and you can adapt and adjust a bit quicker. But yeah, I think for me, it's, it's really important that, we're trying to replicate as much as we can what's going to happen on a match day. So players are really comfortable no matter what happens, they're prepared and they've got solutions and it's then down to their decision-making, isn't it, on a Sunday to which tool do I need to pull out of the box because we've given them every every one available, hopefully. Mm -hmm. No, great. And some great little um, golden nuggets there for coaches to, to take away from them. But plan, 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 think of the what-ifs. Like you said, even if you've not got the time to go into as much depth as what full-time coaches do, start you've got to start somewhere so start and put some bits in place um tanya before we leave you've already gave us loads of um great uh little sound bites and nuggets which coaches can go away and use back in their environments if you're going to leave the coaches with one bit of advice um to end us with what would that be um i this is probably not so much around the actual coaching side of it but for me i would say find kind of your I think I mentioned it earlier around kind of make sure you know what lens you're looking through but find what you're passionate about and as a coach and what level you know you want to be coaching at and um, you know really embrace that and that's okay so you know know yourself is I guess the the message and know what it is that you really enjoy doing know what your strengths are and also the areas maybe that you need to develop because if you get all of that, so that understanding yourself, I think you'll be successful because you'll start to pull other people in around you that maybe complement the areas you're not so strong at. And also you'll start to do more of the stuff you really enjoy and that passion will start to come out. So mm -hmm. I think for me, just really know yourself and know kind of what it is that makes you tick um, because there's nothing worse than trying to put like a round peg in a square hole and, you know, you think I just don't feel comfortable doing this because players pick up on that. Um, and the more comfortable you are in your own skin and kind of as a coach, I think that's when players really embrace it and go, oh, yeah, cool, like I'm buying into this. So, yeah, know yourself and know what makes you tick, I would say, is probably my my top tip and something that I wish someone had probably said to me a, a long time ago because we all try and be someone we're not at times, don't we? So, Absolutely. yeah, just, just be yourself and um, hopefully that will shine through for the players as well. No, brilliant. Uh, thanks for for that, Tanya. That's been a great insight. Even though I've had lots of conversations with you before, I've picked up one or two things myself, which I'll be looking to take into the environment I'm in this year. But a massive good luck in your new role. Thank and you. For the season ahead, we'll all be tuning in and, and watching how you do this season and hopefully it'll be a successful one. So a big thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for further podcasts and check out capello.com to see how we can help you take your coaching to the next level.